warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here and making a welcome return. This is getting to be a bit of a habit. He's back again. Hello, Tony. Well, I'm going to disappear off now. <laughs> what, immediately? Yeah, for about a month. Oh, I thought you meant now before we'd even started. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, hello, everybody. Um, Thanks for listening, and I'll um, speak to you next time. That's cool, and that's your review. Um, in 2021. <laughs> no, we were just we were just chatting off like, off air that you've got a new job starting, so your sort of schedules are going to be up the swanny. All it means is we'll just we'll just adjust what days and times we record. So just like normal, then yeah. really, I'll disappear for a little while, <laughs> and I'll just sort of turn up every now and then. <laughs> We've got to get a few more under our belt, mate. Which we which we will do. I can't see any reason. We're, we're soldiering forward. Well, well, that's, this is two in about a fortnight. So uh, even yeah, though it's going probably... the right direction so far, it is. It is. It's, it's... <laughs> but it's still early doors. <laughs> it's what this podcast was all about. Me and you chatting about British movies, mate. And we're getting there. We're getting there. Talking about British movies tonight. Um, you surprised me in a little way, right? When you selected tonight's movie. I know you liked this movie. We've, we've spoke about it before. But also, I was, I was looking through. This is the most recent film we've reviewed on Real Britannia. Scary, isn't it? It is. And I think it's probably across the other podcasts as well, The Stinking Paws, it's probably one of the most recent ones that we, we've discussed. Mm. Which is good because when... Do you remember when we set out the ground rules for, for Real Britannia? There weren't any really. We just said... Anything British. Anything British. We were going to sort of say, we did say anything sort of before 1980. We were going to have it like a real sort of classic era. But then we said, there's some bloody great British movies that were made recently, right up to, you know, today. So it's good to see something from 21st century. Uh, what is this legend from 2015, isn't it? I'm glad you remembered what film we're reviewing. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't sat and watched the wrong one, have I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, you're a fan of British gangster movies. We've spoke about this before, yeah? It's, I, I've watched a few, yeah. I've probably not watched them all, but I've watched a few. Yeah, there's no secret your favourite movie is Snatch? Snatch and Lockstock. Does that always, that always stood now? That is, that is your favourite movie, if anybody was to oh. ask you. That would be one and two. Yeah, one and two. Right. Which, again, is surprising considering your love for old classic British comedies or war oh, films. Oh, I, I love all of them as well. But these, um, these are the turn but, two, are they, these ones? Then? Yeah. Okay. Are there any others apart from Snatch or Lockstock that, that sort of fall in that genre, British gangster movies that you'd watch? I mean, you've seen Long Good Friday? 
I have. I don't know what I felt on that really. Okay. Might um, need to rewatch that one again. We're saving yeah. that, saving that for Easter next year. Yeah, oh, I mean, we are planning ahead. Planning ahead, it's only because it says it's Good Friday in the title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler, yeah. It all happens over <laughs> Easter weekend, that movie, which yeah. is true. Get Carter? Yeah, again, it was okay for me. Mm. Um, it's probably something I needed to watch a bit more. I think um, so, yeah. Those, the last two you've just mentioned, I only watched them mm. because you reviewed them. I haven't reviewed Get Carter. I thought you did. No, um, that's coming up on the show very soon with a guest. Um, spoiler. Spoiler, with a guest host. Yes, yes. Somebody has right. asked if they can review it with us on the show, so that's coming up pretty soon. We um, definitely have spoken about Get Carden at some point because it would have been a byproduct of a conversation we had. It was probably way, way back, about four or five years ago, when you was a guest on the Stinking Pools podcast and we reviewed Lockstock. Yes. So I did. reckon we probably had this conversation or a similar we conversation back then. We probably did, and that then, is probably it? why I watched it, because I, as a lot of people know, I don't listen to the podcasts that I'm in. Mm. I can't stand the sound of my own voice, as probably many of the listeners. Yeah, you're not alone there. We get many a correspondence on that, Tony. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, the brutality of it. This is why you don't come back so often. No, <laughs> no, this is why I don't listen to it. It's 45 minutes just pure bullying <laughs> almost in the workplace now it's getting that way but i do listen to some of the others yeah. and you'll talk about a film and i'll have to go and watch it yes um which is quite that's the nice thing about the sort of um the little podcast um, thing you've got going on with all your other ones as well you can still listen to other podcasts apart from the ones you're in then basically so you still yeah, well, there, there's plenty part. of podcasts to listen to in the Stinking Paul's Empire, isn't there? So, it's an em- what do people call it an empire? You're not the only one to call it that. It makes me chuckle. Isn't it? Well, <laughs> you, you, you're becoming one of the superpowers of the podcast. I, I'm now. far from that, my friend. I'm far from that. <laughs> it's just that I enjoy doing the podcast, and I like a bit of variety, and I like the three that I've, I'm mainly involved in. Are three similar but different subjects, aren't they? And yeah. It's, and, and this one. I like the fact that we can talk strictly British movies and British movies from any era because, yeah, you know, I, I was talking to Stephen on one of the other And shows. genre as well. Yeah. We, we, we're we covering all bases here. We're, we're going all out. Well, this is what I was saying to Stephen the other day. I said probably the only genre we will not cover on the Real Britannia podcast is a Western until, no. we, get, until we get to Carry On Cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah, because I don't think there's probably many <laughs> British Westerns no, around. British stars have appeared in a few Westerns, but there aren't any strictly British Western movies made, from what I can remember, you know. But listeners, if you know different, yeah. please write in. I mean, I can, I can think of Sean Connery appearing in Shalico or Kenneth Moore in The Sheriff of Fractured Jaw, but not... They wouldn't make a Western in this country, would they? That's that's for sure. You can't imagine, you know, cowboys and Indians racing across Canberra Sands. Yeah, all filmed on location in Skegness. In Skegness, or whatever it may be. So, yeah, yeah. it's one genre that's <laughs> not going to crop up till Carry On Cowboy. Have we done a musical? Yes, we have done a musical. We've done Three Hats for Lisa. But that's another genre we need to sort of dip our toe into a bit more, I think, because we've done war, we've done action, we've done comedy, we've done thriller... We've got gangster movie now, you know, and I'm just enjoying the variety that's cropping up 
every time we yeah. talk. It's always something a little bit different, isn't it? And that is the thing we discussed when we first started, wasn't it? We didn't just want it to be a comedy road show of um, British films. Yeah, it wasn't all going to be carry-ons and Norman Wisdoms. and No, as much trillions. as I'd love to do that, but yeah. we do need to, um, for our benefit more than anything... We'd soon get fed up with it, mate, if that's how we were doing it, wouldn't we? So, yeah, let's carry on doing what we're doing. Talking to, talking to gangster movies, again, this is probably stemming back to the conversation we had when he was on the other show. You don't like the American gangster movies, do you? Things like Goodfellas or The Godfather. You're not a fan of those? No, not at all. Um, the one thing I can say that I've really got into is Sopranos. I've got a note here. I just put, ask him about the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because you mentioned I, it the other day. It was really strange. I was working with someone and they said, oh, did you watch Sopranos last night? Because it, it was on such and such a channel. Yeah. I said, Sopranos? What's that about? And he explained it to me and straight away in my head I'm thinking, oh, just another shit old American program. You'd never heard of it? Never heard of it. Oh, Never heard of it. Okay. And then I, it was the same. I must have been on the way home and I saw a billboard. Yeah. Uh, it was a Sky ad. Yeah. And it was Tony Soprano on the front of it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's a big deal then. I didn't realise <laughs> it had been released sort of at the time, sort of 18 years prior to yeah, this. Yeah, break, breaking news, late review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sort of Mr. Current Affairs, as probably people will understand, but I put it on. Yeah. And it was the first ever episode they aired. Yeah, um, ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. Yep. Instantly fell in love with it. Right. Have like I got instantly. to watch this? Because I'll let you into a secret. I have not watched it. Um, no, and I, I'll be trying to convert you because I've now watched the entire box set a, at least six or seven times over already. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, I've got people at work that are hounding me to watch it. They're saying, "Stop watching the crap you're watching, Scott." And, and just watch The Sopranos, you know, because you can watch an episode or a couple of episodes a week. Yeah. And, and you'll get into it. I, I'll, I watched the first 10, 15 minutes of episode one about six months ago and thought, yeah, that's okay. I, I, you know, I, I, could, I could probably get into this. Never went back to it. So I'm going to have to, otherwise I'm not going to be able to have conversations with half of the people I know because <laughs> everybody talks about Sopranos and how much I should be watching the bloody thing. And like, But like you said, it's, is it 18 years old now? Really? It's, it's even older than that, yeah. Oh, my God. I was thinking, it's, yeah, it's probably about 20 years old. Well, there you go. Okay. Not strictly British, but um, it, it's just interesting. watch. It's the one time you'll hear me on this podcast actually praising something other another country has produced. Yeah, this is the bizarre thing. When you told me that you were, you were getting into The Sopranos, and especially that you don't particularly like anything sort of American gangster movie type thing. No, I don't do anything foreign, do I? <laughs> <laughs> it's not in a bad way, is it? Like it's an Italian a, job. Yeah, but it's not in a racist way or anything like that. You don't deliberately say no, not, not in an to Afghan wa- way. No, no. It just, it's, it's just all very far fetched. The American stuff, and it's, it's just all too dramatized, and oh, it's explosions and guns and car chases, oh. and you don't want that when you're watching Little House on the Prairie, do you? It's just. <laughs> It's just too much. They just go well overboard. You're just a um, gentle soul, Tony, aren't you? That's what it is. And it's just... Yeah. It's, it's, Old performer time. Yes, the 50s throwback, as I was called as well when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that, children. If you're like that, then that's what you are. Encourage it, Tony. That's Embrace it. it. Yes, that's right, my friend. Um, let's talk about Tom Hardy, who is in this movie. Um, oh, you have, I know what's coming. No, not yet. I'm saving that. Um, 
<laughs> Let's have a look through his filmography. Not all of it, but you've seen Dunkirk. Yep. Yep. Big fan of that, aren't you, Dunkirk, as far as I remember? Uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, because you prefer the um, John Mills version, don't you? That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there was um, a, a bit of a divide when it comes to the new Dunkirk film from me. Okay. <laughs> I liked it more on the second viewing. Maybe I need to watch it again yeah, to pick that, some more holes in it. Yeah, well, that whole thing about the way it leaps from time to time, you know, it jumps backwards and forwards in time. I didn't get that until about half an hour in. Yeah, it was it was a bit um, confusing for me to start with. Yeah. But I, I think I, it's one of those films I'm going to have to watch a couple of times to yeah. sort of get me around it. Yeah, when I watched it second time, that bit made more sense. I'm just looking down yeah. this list trying to think. I've got a funny feeling you haven't seen a lot of this stuff here, mate. I mean... Uh, rock and Roller, talking of Guy Ritchie. Have you seen that? Uh, I think I've seen part of it. Right, he's in I've that. I've not watched it all the way through. Okay, he's in that. He's Handsome Bob in that. Oh. Before he was like super famous, there's a BBC production of uh, Oliver Twist where he's Bill Sykes. Then you get things like Sucker Punch, Rock and Roller. Bronson, have you seen Bronson? I have seen Bronson. Did you enjoy it? Uh, it was okay. It's very arty, isn't it? <laughs> it's very, very arty. Um, yeah, Bronson. Not, not your cup of tea again, I tell Well, yeah, it isn't. That isn't a typical Tony film, let's put it that way. Yeah, It's not a typical Tony film, no, but I've got a bit of a backstory on Bronson from someone that actually worked with him. Oh, right, um, okay. Yeah, so he's um, he's not what he's made out to be. Okay, okay. But Tom Hardy's that, performance that in it? That's it for me a little okay, bit. Okay, all right. And then when we get to like the big Hollywood stuff, let's see. Have you seen the Mad Max movie, Fury Road? No. no. Um, Inception? No. No. I know Conception, but not Inception. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, the Batman movie? No, I've never watched any Batman I'd movies, ever. I say, that's a big no from you, isn't it? No, the, of course it is. Uh, the Superman, Reven- I've... No, uh, I don't yeah, watch that. No. Don't that. No. Uh, the Revenant? <laughs> Uh, don't they work in a church? No, not the Reverend, dear. The Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't. That one I think you might enjoy. Do you watch Peaky Blinders? Do you know what? I watched an episode of it, yeah. and the one thing that really spoiled well, there's a couple of things, but the one thing that really, really spoiled it for me is they didn't have period music with a period piece. Okay. Now, I was quite a fan of Ball Walk Empire. Again, another shocker. It was another American. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I really got into that. Okay. Because it was done so well, like down to the costumes, the music, the backdrops, everything. I was watching Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And it was just ruined by the music they had on the, on it. It was it was all modern music. And oh. It just didn't work for me. Okay. Didn't make you like your your stuff traditional, don't you? That's that's true. Well, that's it. If you're going back to that period and you're spending so much time and effort on getting everything around you correct, which they did to an extent. Why, um, why put contemporary music on it, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't... It, I don't get it. Okay, okay. I don't get it. So, there's not a great deal of Tom Hardy stuff that you have seen, considering how much he's put out. Um, I watched CBB's Bedtime Story. Oh, that he, he did in. that thing, didn't he? Apparently he's really good in that, isn't he? Well, apparently a lot of the mothers liked it. <laughs> and it wasn't a dry seat in the UK that evening. Oh, dear Lord. Kids were, <laughs> kids, kids were put to bed well early that evening, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, it was the adults watching it. Blimey. 
it, it doesn't do it for me. I'm in touch with my feminine side. I can see a good-looking bloke when I see one. But it don't do nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't see the fascination with Tom Hardy. I'm sure he's a lovely geezer, but... <laughs> okay, tonight's movie then. When did you first see it? I first see it when it was at the cinema. Okay, so 2015. 2015. I was taken out to watch it, and I was going in a bit sort of apprehensive. Oh, not your choice at the time then? That wasn't my choice. Is I was I was forced to go along. Okay. Yep. Yeah, as generally um, you, you usually are to things like this. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I normally get dragged along to things like that against my will, <laughs> and I went in and watched it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I liked it. Okay. Um, you watched it two nights ago. Is that the second time you've seen it, or have you seen it in between? Uh, I've lost count how many times I actually wow. watched it. Wow. Okay. This is one of your movies then. I take it. It is one of my movies. Um, I'm pretty sure I need enough. I'm now on the second DVD of Legend. What, you've worn out the first one? I watched it so many times and lent it out mm-hmm. so many times it got worn out. Oh, my life. Okay, this is going to be interesting then. So you're going to have a lot to say about this, hopefully, tonight. Yeah. Excellent. Good and bad. Good and bad. Let's take a short break. We'll be back after this. Do you like being a gangster? London in the 1960s. Everyone had a story about the craze. They were twins. Do you think we look alike? <laughs> Reggie was a gangster prince of the East End. Ron Cray was a one-man mob. Your brother is a violent, paranoid schizophrenic. What I'm trying to tell you is that he's off his rocker. Well, no, 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 no. It was time for the craze to enter gangster legend. London is going to be the Las Vegas of Europe. We need someone to front and someone to muscle. Asalu, come to Philadelphia. I see a nice girl. We'll get it for you. I prefer boys. Italians. Sometimes great, but I am not prejudiced. <laughs> you got some balls to admit that, kid. Me and my brother, we're going to rule London. You could go straight. Life is not always the way we want it to be. Things are getting completely out of control, and the American Mafia may also be involved. What exactly are you doing about it? We're going after the craze. You won't mind if I fight that, will you? Crime is a business. You don't want a war. I do, actually. Listen to yourself, you nuts! Ah! You hit me. Yeah. What is that? I come here for a proper shootout. A shootout, right? It's a shootout. Like a western. <laughs> Your brother, he's a loose cannon. We need you to do something about Ron. I can't do that. He's my brother. Legend, released in the UK on the 9th of September 2015. It's our most recent movie, as we say, Tony. I remember it well. You remember it well, because you were dragged down there kicking and screaming almost, but remembered every minute because it was so good. Yeah. Directed by a guy called Brian Helgeland. Now, 
He's also the director of Payback, the Mel Gibson movie, and A Knight's Tale, which was, I think, Heath Ledger. Probably more famous as a screenwriter. Um, he wrote Man on Fire, L.A. Confidential, Mystic River, those sort of things. So he's probably better known um, for his screenplays rather than his direction. Starring Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> See what I did there. David Fulis, Emily Browning, Tara Fitzgerald, Taron Egerton. Paul Bettany's in it, but he's uncredited. Kevin McNally, John Sessions and Chaz Parmentieri. The synopsis is the true story of the rise and fall of London's most notorious gangsters, Reggie and Ronnie Cray, who captivated the public and once upon a time lorded over a criminal empire, an integral part of London's East End and the iconic swinging 60s. This classic crime thriller takes us into the secret history of the 1960s and the extraordinary events that secured the infamy of the Cray Twins. I know you like this movie. You've told me you've worn out a DVD copy of it. Yeah. Give me just a general what you like about it. Why is it a Tony movie? What what puts this... I'm going to say this must be in your top ten at least then for you to, you know, to watch it Do you know what? Time. And I've sort of thought about that question yeah. and I can't answer it. Okay. I don't know what it is about it. Um, I was never really... Apart from Lockstock and Snatch... Yeah. Which is fictitious. It's all, it's all made up, but it's just, it's done in a a comical way. Yes, that's all. How I sort of seen legend. Um, there is there is quite I a bit of comedy. There's a lot of poetic license used with this film. Going to talk about that in a second, actually, because there is a few differences to what actually went on for those that know the story. Yeah. Um, and and you saying that Lock, Stock and Snatch are, you know, quite funny. There are some funny bits in this, particularly revolving around Ronnie. Yeah, um, and a lot of the catchphrases that are now used daily. Uh, the pretzel one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the pretzel, the rolling pin, yeah. the shootout, you know, they're all now... Um, Falling into the common vernacular sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a Michael Caine catchphrase now it is quite quotable is it so do you see this as being sort of similar to a Guy Ritchie type movie then is that how you see it I do I do if I I take away the element of the actual the real story of the twins the craze it could be a Guy Ritchie gangster film yeah okay that that is how I see it that makes sense now as to why you like it that that is obvious exactly yeah Yeah. okay I've not really looked too much into the craze okay the, the real story obviously everyone knows about the craze but I've not delved into all of it. Okay, well, interestingly, this book, this book, this film, was based on a book called The Profession of Violence. A guy called John Pearson, if I remember rightly, it was released a long time ago. It was one of the very first books on the Cray Twins that I read. Listeners are probably aware of my love of all things 1960s because of the Rainbow Valley podcast for a start, you know, and that's just, you know, not just the music, it's the movies, it's the news events, it's the things that went on, you know, the things that have influenced what we, we do today and some of the history of, of what went on in that decade. And, and a big part of that decade for me was learning about the Cray Twins. Now, that book, the John Pearson book, was for many years, it was like the turn to reference book for anybody that wanted to know anything about the Crays. Because at the time there was a lot of first-hand stories. A lot of the people were still alive when that book was written. Yeah. But one thing with the craze, it's like, say, for example, Jack the Ripper or the sinking of the Titanic. 
you can guarantee that there will be at least one new book out every year uh-huh. with a new angle or somebody else's take on the story. I think it was a very brave move to do this movie. Why? Knowing knowing the inaccuracies that are in it. See, I'm thinking, because now time has passed, that there's not that many people alive that would have been there. No, but there are probably a lot of purists out there. There was a lot of backlash, wasn't there? There was a lot of backlash about how it wasn't wildly inaccurate. They took a lot of poetic license with a lot of it. There's a bit at the end of the Blu-ray where they, you know, the extras, and they show the premiere back in 2015 at Leicester Square. And Christopher Eccleston's there being interviewed. Now, Christopher Eccleston plays Nipper Reed, the, the police officer that eventually captures them. And, you know, I'm like you. I've noticed a few things in the movie that I thought, hang on a minute, that's not what I've read before, or that was slightly different to what was reported. It was, it was you know, basically what had happened, but twisted in a way, you know. And Christopher yeah. Eccleston said when he was being interviewed, the film is called Legend because it's a story, and it's their take on the story. So, despite having a very good and by most accounts a fairly accurate account of what happened at their disposal, the filmmakers decided to tweak things a little. John Pearson's book was a very accurate source material. But for some reason, Brian Helgeland chose to Hollywoodize certain parts of it or to make things fit in a certain timeline as they didn't happen at that particular time. But the Kemp Brothers movie from the 80s, The Craze, also twisted timelines a bit to make things I mean that one was notorious for putting the two murders on the same night that film which didn't happen at all you know yeah so let's have a little look we're talking about the the Kent Brothers version from the 1980s you've seen that yeah I've seen it once and Ah. I'll probably never watch it again what did you think then obviously you didn't like it no I thought it was horrendous in what way Um, I watched it funny enough after I've watched Legend it was sort of it dropped into conversation that the Kent Brothers done it yeah uh, and straight away it sort of got my back up that the Kent brothers would do something like that <laughs> yeah uh, watched it hated every minute of it um, didn't really pay much attention into it and I was then trawling the internet basically trying to find every bit of hate about that film for the Kent brothers <laughs> and there was a lot of it yeah I, terrible I, I like, terrible 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 there's certain parts of the Kemp's version that I like because that version shows more of the backstory. In, mm. in, in this version, we go smack bang to the early 60s. The craze are actually a thing. Yep. In the Kemp's version, we see them growing up. We see how we get to where they eventually ended up before it all comes crashing down. In this version, the story is narrated by Francis, Reggie's wife. In the Kemp version, there's a lot of emphasis on the boy's relationship with their mother. Yeah. And how strong a character she actually was. In this version, we only get a glimpse of that in this movie. You know, in the scenes that she's in, and she's not in very many, Violet's not in very many, she just appears to be this doting mother who on the surface appears to be sort of oblivious to what the twins are actually doing. But there's one particular scene after Ronnie has killed George Cornell that she actually lets on that she's fully aware of what he's done. Yeah. They don't emphasise in this version how much of an influence on their life she actually was. It doesn't come across so much here. But anyway, we, we digress a wee bit. Let's get into the plot, chat about the characters, what's actually going on. Let's get this out of the way. Elephant <laughs> in the room. I've hinted at this on Facebook and a couple of people have commented. <laughs> you saw this at the oh. cinema, first of all, yeah? 
saw it in the cinema uh, and watched it a couple of times on DVD. Okay, and you'd not seen any trailers for the movie beforehand or interviews or any promotion for the movie about who uh, might briefly, be in it? Briefly, TV ads, so sort of 30-second ads, so and nothing fully aware that, that. fully aware that Tom Hardy was in the movie? I knew Tom Hardy was in the movie. Okay. I also saw many other names flash up. Okay. Could be in the movie. So it didn't sort of twig while you... And that's where it threw me (laughs) off the scent. So you didn't actually twig while you're sitting in the cinema watching what you're... Instantly you're thinking, I'm liking this. This is like a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. Tom Hardy's brilliant as as Reggie, I'm taking it. Yep. Yeah, so you're watching Tom Hardy's Reggie thinking, yeah, this is great. That actor playing Ronnie, he's good as well. Yeah. Yeah, and (sighs) it actually ended up nearly having a fist fight in my house. What, after the cinema viewing or... No. So this um, is still... Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, Tony revealed to me many months ago, he watched Legend. Now, I'm getting the impression you watched it two or three times before you finally realised or was told that Tom Hardy was playing both the twins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, um, okay, how'd you find that? <laughs> so we were sitting there one evening, mm. and I said to um, my sister-in-law, "Yeah, because that's who I went with to watch it." All right, okay. I said to him, "Who's the other actor?" And she said, "Yeah, it's Tom Hardy," mm-hmm. which sparked a bit of a debate. Okay, um, and I didn't believe her at all, <laughs> and she brought this up on the internet. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was IMDb. Yeah. And it said it there that Tom Hardy played both the roles, and I still didn't <laughs> believe it. And I'm never going to live it down. Because the internet lies, doesn't it, Tony? It's not real. It, it? it is full of lies and nastiness. <laughs> as was probably my mouth during that conversation. Oh, so you'd watched it two or three times, and then you're told by your sister-in-law, and you eventually accept it. Uh... I had to watch it again. You had to watch it again. It's still. I had right, to watch okay. it again, and it, it got quite heated. It actually there was there was quite a lot of aggression. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. We went we went <laughs> all the way to town and back with it. So when you found out this this revelation <laughs> that, that Tom Hardy is is playing both of the characters, and you've watched well, it that's again, bloody good, isn't it? Yeah, you've watched it. So did it. Make it even more impressive a movie for you, or did you, you know, it's still held up in your estimations? You know? I'm not going to lie, it's quite impressive. And any um, show, film, TV show, anything that can use the same person, yeah, like they have done, and make them fight each other and chat to each other and go for journeys in cars together. He's very clever, the, isn't it? The technology has improved so much, hasn't it? You know, because before. You could see where it was like a split screen. There'd be something between the two people, you know, like a door frame or something. Yeah. But with this, you actually see him touching his knee, reaching out, and they touch each other. And like you say, all right, you don't actually, you know, one's a stunt double when they're fighting or whatever. But it's very cleverly done, isn't it? And very I can, clever. And I can see why. Very, very clever. And again, that's sort of a, it's a bit of a tragedy in my case, because that's how far I'm stuck in the past. Yeah. Because I didn't realise any of that sort of stuff happened. I know, obviously, now there's green screens and there's a lot of yeah, a lot of it's computerised nowadays. Of course, but yeah, it completely threw me. 
completely threw me. But the technology was out there to achieve such wonders. <laughs> it nearly this film nearly cost me a friendship. What with your sister-in-law? With my my sister-in-law, and that's not a lie. <laughs> and has probably cost me a lot more in the long run because I look like an absolute dick. If it's any consolation, my friend. Many years ago, when the Stinking Paws podcast first started, we reviewed Doctor Strangelove, which is a Stanley Kubrick film from the early 1960s, and it's famous for Peter Sellers playing multiple roles. Okay? Right. Three or four. I can't remember exactly how many. And Charlie was here, my co-host at the time. He was in my house here on a Saturday afternoon, and it was back in the days where we'd do an episode tone. You remember when we'd review three movies in, in a day? Yeah. So we've reviewed the first movie of the day, taken a break, had a, had a quick beer and a cigarette, whatever. And, <laughs> a Galahad. And yeah, it was a Galahad back then, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was sort of just, right, are you ready for Doctor Strangelove? And yeah, blah, blah, blah. you got the cast list, you know, Peter Sellers playing blah, 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 him and him and him. And Charlie just looked at me and went, sorry? And I went, yeah, Peter Sellers playing those three, four roles. He went, did he? And literally... On the spot, literally seconds before we were recording a review, Charlie was told that Peter Sellers played multiple roles in Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. And he's never lived it down. Yeah. So don't worry, you're not alone, mate. There's there's, there's, a, there's a comment on the Facebook group, or on the Stinking Paws Facebook group today. Somebody's commented saying, oh, my boyfriend didn't realise till afterwards until I told him. And I said, oh, yeah. wait till you listen to the show. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of them now and when you look at it they don't look alike do you know what I noticed the main difference I don't think their noses are particularly different I don't think they put any prosthetics on the noses no but it's the cheeks the chin Ronnie's got a set of false teeth yeah He's and perfectly the straight hairline teeth. as well They're two different haircuts in in reality obviously Ronnie was a quite fatter than, than Reggie um, yeah. And it's not really emphasised in this movie so much, but you can see the difference physically to a certain oh, yeah. degree, can't you? There's been a lot of criticism about the portrayal of Ronnie, that it's very sort of cartoonish, too comedic, and, and possibly done for effect. How did you find it? I mean, because I think it's hilarious, the portrayal. Yeah, I think that's why I sort of compare it to Lockstock's. It's, it's a Guy yeah. Ritchie film. It's a Guy Ritchie um, character, isn't it? It could almost have been put into a Guy Ritchie movie, yeah. yeah. I'm not watching it as a documentary. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to watch a documentary, I'd find one on the craze. There's plenty out there, yeah. And there's plenty out there. Yep. There are so many. Um, so, if you're going to watch this, don't look at it that way. It is what it is. Don't. It's nothing historical references. It, they, they just touch on the bits everyone knows. Yeah, all the well publicised bits. It's stylised, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they. It's mainly the glamorous bits. It's done for effects. The people love a bit of violence, pub violence. Yep. And the, the flashy cars and the bars, and you know, and they're throwing their weight around a bit. People love all of that, and that's what it is. Just don't look too much into it. No, I mean, I know if, there's there's purists out there that won't like it. If, if you um, wanted to, if you wanted to nitpick, right. Tom Hardy's far too good looking to play Reggie Cray, right? He's too yep. tall. Ronnie's not fat enough. But I love the fact that they've taken a chance on casting the same actor to portray a set of twins. We've seen yeah. it in other movies before, but not to this effect, I think, because it's certainly through you. I mean, the picture I'm looking at, it's almost like it's mocking me. Because <laughs> along the top of it, it says, 
Tom Hardy is Ronnie Cray. Yep. Tom Hardy is Reggie Cray. All the clues Legend. are there. All the clues are there. <laughs> and at the time I did see that, I'm, I'm sort of wishing I looked now. Yeah, but also, um, I think Tom Hardy is more convincing looks wise than the Kemp's version. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I just picked yeah, the, the Kemp's that... are nothing like it, are no, they? No. It's a fair Stick play. to music. That's what they should do. <laughs> music and EastEnders. That's that's all they were good at. They were absolutely horrendous. <laughs> As I say, uh, the, the, that. the Kemp's version has got some plus points to it, and it, it does tell a fuller story, and apart again from some inaccuracies, there's, there's stuff in there that is is sort of well-known to the craze legend. The film starts, we, we learn about Ronnie and Reggie Cray pretty much as their sort of criminal empire is, is flourishing. We don't see any build-up, do we, mate, of them growing up? In, no, they, in the they've East got End. a name for this house, haven't they, as they're walking around. Yeah, and, and, you know, they've got a few pubs and clubs and they're just expanding their their empire as such, you know. And, and we learn that Reggie has got some serious mental health issues. Well, so much so he's locked in a hospital. He's in high school when we first meet him. Yeah. And Reggie sort of bribes the doctor, or threatens the doctor, to give him a clean bill of health. And it soon becomes apparent, once Reggie's discharged from the hospital, that he's homosexual. This is really emphasised in this movie, not to yeah. any degree that the Kemp's version did. And it's quite blatant about it, which I think in reality it wasn't in you know in, in the true life story because obviously it was still illegal back in the sixties. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have been a bigger deal as it was back then, would it? It, it? it was just that was put in um, for more of effect in this film. Yeah, I think so. I think they just really sort of pushed that side of his character, but it, it works. It works. It gives you a good insight into what possibly was, was going on in his brain, but then who knew what was going on in that man's brain, especially this portrayal of him. So much so that as they're sort of taking over, you know, clubs and pubs and the Richardsons are on the other side of the river and they've got this gang war going on, there is this amazing fight scene in a pub. Yeah. You, you touched on it earlier about the rolling pin. <laughs> it perfectly highlights the fact that they were both psychotic. Yeah. There wasn't one sane one and one mad one in this relationship, mate. They were both as mad as each other. And it's just really impressive the way this fight's done because you see a fight in a pub and it is the same actor fighting a room full of people, but he's playing two characters. Rich, Ron, the Richardsons were unexpectedly engaged, so we're going to look after you. Oh, it's all right. Um, our landlord's going to change the barrel for me, thanks. You don't mind if I pull myself a pint, yeah? What is that? Yeah, what do you think, Puff? It's a fucking tool. No, it's not. It's a fucking rolling pin. Who are you, Franny Craddock? What are you going to do with that? You're going to bake me a cake? You're going to sing me a song, watch me blow out my fucking candles? I come here for a fucking shootout, right? A proper shootout with some proper men. Like Colonel Custer and Geronimo. Have you ever heard of them? No. Because you were too busy in your penny baking fucking fairy cakes, weren't you? Which this lot of fucking nonsense to a man. They're fucking nonsense. Get out of your fucking way. Go on, get out. Go on, fuck off. Call yourself a fucking gangster. Shoot out, right? It's a fucking shootout. Like a western. Wankers. Fucking embarrassing. Waste of our time. Fucking waste of our time. 
Oh, your brother's done a runner. Nah, he's just genuinely disappointed with it, that's all. Fair play to Brian Helgeland, the editing and the setup and the cinematography of that particular scene. You would not know that that was Tom Hardy playing two characters in that in that scene. No, no, you wouldn't. And again, that's probably something that threw me the first couple of times round. Yeah, because it looks so natural. I mean, it it starts off quite funny because, as I say, Ronnie picks up on the fact that this guy's got a rolling pin as a weapon, and he's like, "What are you going to do? Bake me a cake?" I've... And straight away, I'm thinking of Snatch. Yeah. When you've got Tyrone and Co. coming with the replica guns. There you go. Yeah. And you've got Bullet Tooth Tony looking into his pint and talking about his pint. <laughs> and then you've got Reggie looking into his pint. Pouring himself Talking about his pint. Yeah. yeah he, that, I sort of like, oh, that's definitely been lifted. He, he's you watched that. And he's oh, lift- right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just also uh, the, the landlord disappearing. Yeah, just gotta go and change the barrel. That's it. Yeah, and he was changing the barrel in snatch. I'm like, all of that's been lifted. Yeah, but it was great the way it was done. I, I quite like that oh, yeah. because it's yeah, one of the highlights definitely. of the movie. We see Reggie's relationship with Francis. She's the sister of one of his drivers. I, th- I think again, you, you'll probably disagree with this. I prefer the original portrayal of Francis in the original movie. I can't remember the actress's name, but she was Bill Oddie's daughter, if I remember rightly, the actress in the original Kent movie. Oh. But her gradual deterioration and her desperation, I think, was highlighted better in the original movie. We don't get a great sense of this, even though she's the narrator of the movie. It's her telling the story. Yeah. And when she eventually dies, there's a wonderful part, isn't it, in the narration where she says something like, and that's it, Francis is dead. You wouldn't expect me to keep on talking like this or something, would you? So she says, very clever the way they do that. Ronnie's boyfriend, did you recognise him? No, but you, I'm going to, I should do. Right, I'll, I? T- I'll tell you why, because you're probably used to him wearing glasses or playing characters, famous characters. It's Taryn Edgerton, who is in the Kingsman movies, which you probably haven't seen. But you know the ones with right. Michael Caine and yes, Colin Firth? Yes, I have yeah? briefly seen The Kingsman. Right. You know, that, right, well, that's him. But he also played Eddie the Eagle, and he's going to be playing Elton John in the upcoming Rocketman mm. movie as well. So that's Taron oh. Egerton four years ago, so quite an early-ish, early-ish role for him. Reggie ends up in prison on some... What is it? Some old charge or something, isn't it? Yeah, and the... Um, he volunteers, he, he takes himself back to prison, doesn't he, voluntarily almost. Yeah. But by now he's met Francis, and she sort of wants him to go straight. But again, another great bit is that when he's in prison, he gets the crap beaten out of him, basically, by the guards. That's it, yeah, because he's got a name for himself, and um, they want to give him a dressing down. But it backfires. That's it, handbag. As they... Um, so lovingly nicknamed him. Yeah, why did they call him Handbag? I can't remember now. No. I can't it... remember. But it's quite a funny scene where you're watching this big hard prison officer with all his face stoved in <laughs> during visiting time. And Reggie's there with all these cuts and bruises. and It's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you think I look bad, look at the other one sort of thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one, yeah. And that's basically what that scene tries to say, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you could see that the blokes seem clearly embarrassed about, you know, what actually happened. But all the time Reggie's in prison, Ronnie's sort of left the fen for himself. 
and he's looking after the clubs and the business. And yeah, he doesn't do a very good job, does he? Yeah, I mean, his mental instability comes to the forefront at this point because their business manager, their lawyer, played superbly by David Fulis, um, is handling their financial matters, and Ronnie asks him for £50,000 so he can go and build a town in... Anugu. Anugu in Nigeria, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, he wants to build this town because he wants to build this utopia where all the children are happy and dancing or something. <laughs> and he could be a king. And... <laughs> oh. Yes, I know. I've heard you, but that's your problem, right? That's your problem, not mine. Mine is that I want £50,000. Oh, go again with your £50,000 to yes. go to Nigeria. That was not just to go to Nigeria, is it? I want to set up a company, right? I want to build a city in Nigeria for the children near Enugu. Enugu. Yes, Enugu. Yes, oh, Enugu. I told you, Enugu, right? You don't know everything, do you, Payne? Did you know that Enugu is the African word for utopia? No. No, you did not. Right, did you know that utopia is the Greek word for nowhere? For £50,000, I can make that somewhere. I can turn it into a place where people will smile at me and children will dance. I will smile for you, Ron. I will smile for you if you tell me where I can get £50,000. I'm telling you, I'm fucking telling you, just pull it out of the casino. Just pull it out of the casino. That's what I'm saying, despite the temptation, do not meddle with a foolproof way of making the money. I'm not a fucking banker. I am not a fucking Thank what? Genius! Look at that! That has made it all the more manageable. This is a Don't man you who fucking wants to you mean you can't. Don't you fucking dare talk to me like that! You can't. Reggie is not here now. All right, he's fucking gone, ain't he? So you work for me, Ron Cray. So you will trot along down to the fucking bank right. and you will fetch me my £50,000. Yeah, I'll go down the bank and have a little talk to him and see what I can do. Thank and you. I'll tell you what, I may work for you, Ron. But I'm certainly not afraid of you, right? Well, that is fucking stupid as well, because you fucking should be. Because if my brother hadn't vouched for you, you'd be fucking dead. And, and, and things just gradually spiral out of control to the extent that when Reggie comes out of prison, he goes to the club on the Friday night with Francis, and there's like literally nobody in the club apart from the henchmen, the gang. Yep. But before, we've seen that club, and it's rocking. You know, you've got... There were supposed to be famous faces in that crowd, right? And I was looking, thinking, well, who are they supposed to be? You know, there's a bit where they take a photo with this big, hulking black guy, and I'm thinking, well, that's a boxer. And I had to look it up. It was supposed to be Joe Louis. There was a photo taken with a young black girl. That was supposed to be Shirley Bassey. Right. Duffy was playing the singer on the stage. Remember Duffy had a few albums out a few years ago? Warwick I'll Avenue. You for Birdseed, that's it. Yeah. yeah, Warwick Avenue and all that lot. She was playing Timmy Euro. I sort of recognised that one because he did a very good impression of her. But, you know, they, they sort of missed the trick. You know, they, they mentioned Barbara Windsor had been in, but didn't, you didn't actually see Barbara Windsor. Yeah, I was, I was literally <laughs> about to say, there's not a lot about Barbara Windsor in it. No, because Barbara Windsor's still alive, probably, you know. Yeah. Oh, then again, so Shirley Bassey, but but, um, wasn't it Ronnie Knight, her husband, or eventually became her husband, he was an associate, wasn't he, he was was something to do with him, wasn't he, I think, Mm. and then we get this sort of side story that 
the American Mafia come over. Um, yeah. It's, it's a representative of Meyer Lansky in Las Vegas, and he wants to get them involved in a crime syndicate deal. And it's a it's the character called Angelo Bruno, played by Chaz Parmentieri, who hasn't aged well. Chaz Parmentieri looks like he's been sitting by the fire for too long. Did you spot his face? <laughs> yeah. With an eye. It, it looked like he'd melted a wee bit, didn't it? I'm not too sure if he's had, <laughs> he's had a bad like, um, bit of work done or what, but yeah. Um, tough paper round. It yeah. was a tough paper round for the Chess So they get a, like, a 50-50 deal, didn't they? Because basically what's going to happen, Reggie's going to split the gambling profits in exchange for protection from the Cray twins. and But it just, it, again, in the background... Reggie's doing all the hard work and Ronnie's just this simmering, bubbling away like something's going to explode eventually. And what eventually happens, I mean, we, we see a little bit of the Richardson gang. They, they're very briefly touched upon where they show this court scene where they've got this guy hanging upside down with his That's nipples. That's it, attra- and they're electrocuting him. And- yeah. And, a bit of torture, and that happened. That that you know, that's quite famously happened. You know, broken toes and teeth being pulled out and stuff like that. It was um, Mad Frankie Fraser was the one that was doing all that. You know, at the time, and we meet Nipper of the Yard, which is Christopher Eccleston. We see him right from the beginning, actually, because he's tailing Reggie, and he right from the start. But we meet all these little side characters throughout. But underlying it all, as I say, like Ronnie's getting more and more unhinged. Reggie's got this fairly stable life with Francis, but Francis is slowly becoming more Drawn and more... into it. Yeah, because she wants him to give up the illegal side of things and, and sort of focus on the clubs, and she's getting left out, you know. She's getting dumped at his mother's while he's out with his brother or just been dumped in the flat. They've got this lovely flat... But, of course, it happens to be underneath the flat that Ronnie lives in. You know, they can't live too far away from each other. They're inseparable. And she's, yeah. and she's just sort of like, well, what am I, the token wife? You know, so she turns to Mother's Little Helpers, all the pills. Great portrayal, though, by Emily Browning, I think. What did you think of her? A voice annoyed me. Did it? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm, I'm sure she's a lovely person. <laughs> but, no, her, her voice was just sort of grating on me okay as i say i think i prefer the the performance from the original movie yeah i think if you're gonna have someone playing a character like hers and being a narrator you know it's like morgan freeman you you, you would use him as your narrator wouldn't you not not emily browning yeah no no you you know there are certain people you pick as a narrator yeah do you say that it probably would have been a bit more effectual if they'd had one of their gang members narrating. This yeah. Is, this is the story of the yeah. Cray Twins. You and know. again, it comes <laughs> back to Lockstock. It had narrators. Yes. Bricktop. Yeah. That's he what was, I'm thinking He was then, the narrator yeah. all the way through, and it was absolutely spot on. He had very minimal parts in the actual film, but he was the narrator the whole way through. He linked everything together, didn't he? Well, perhaps that's why they didn't use a gang member then, because it would have been so similar. If yeah, they'd have done that. Um, yeah. Maybe if uh, I think that was the problem because she had so many parts in it. Mm. That's I think that's what spoiled it. She was the glue For, trying to hold it all together, wasn't she? She was the one that was linking the story, as we say. But, yeah, but to you, she wasn't the best character in the movie. Then 
she wasn't the best character in the movie, but I think that's because she was a narrator. I think that's what spoiled it. There was just too much of her. Okay, okay. So if if she wasn't the narrator and she was just playing Francis, Reggie's wife, you'd probably would have got on with it a little bit better, yeah. Yeah, and there was probably a little bit too much talking as a narrator. Was there a no, lot of narration? A... Not too. I can't think of if if I can remember. Again, I I go back to Lockstock. It was short and sweet. Okay. And what was said was effective enough. It was just a little bit too much for me. Yeah. But that's a personal thing. Okay, okay. That's a personal preference. And again, this relationship escalates to the point that he ends up beating her and raping her. and Yeah, he he, he um, sort of shows his true colours yeah. towards the end. Because um, it, it does seem to me that they were being glamorised a lot of the time mm-hmm. throughout the um, movie. And I didn't really like that because they did some terrible things. Yeah, I mean, apart from the fight in the pub where, you know, Ronnie's got two hammers and Reggie's got the knuckle dusters. But even that, it was a setup, wasn't it? They knew it was a setup, but they didn't start it. Yeah. And it's another way of making them look glamorous. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're just fighting back, you know. I, I didn't instigate um, any of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when Reggie gets hit by the car. You know, yeah. he's just strolling down the street, mm. having a good time, and gets run over. No, I see what you mean, actually. There's none of um Yeah, it, it's none of them initiating any of the shit. Yeah. And I dare say it was a 50-50 thing. Of course it was, yeah. People forget that side of things, don't they? Um, but it was almost like it was um, done in their favour. And then the bits that um, are not so positive, mm. they're quite short and sweet, I sort of... Um, noticed yeah it, it it shows some of their bad side but doesn't dwell on it too much is that what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the Cornell shooting it's sort of a very brief well that's yeah, how it's going to happen he, he's caused all this drama goes to the pub shoots him gone straight round he's having tea his mother's that's how the shooting actually happened yeah but the build up to it was completely different it's, it's mentioned briefly at the beginning when you first meet George Cornell and he calls Ronnie a fat puff when he's in the calf right and apparently, if I remember rightly from the stories I've read, that was the thing that led to Ronnie shooting him. Right. It weren't none of this story that we get about him going to the warehouse and hanging the bloke over the ledge, breaking his nose, the one with the tea bags. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, for the tea. For the tea. Yeah. For my mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's spelling his well, that's lovely days yeah um, <laughs> see straight away he, he's made the history books isn't he everyone says it it's, it's, it's happening <laughs> I had to go back because I wasn't sure if we knew what the boy like the two the twins sounded like and I remembered there was a TV interview when they famously won their court case you know, through bribing quite high-level members of society. They appeared on, on TV being interviewed, and it's on YouTube, and I thought, I'm just going to have a little listen to the voices, because yeah, I'd seen that interview before, and I can't remember Ronnie ever talking like that. And if you listen, look, listen to this thing, I might play a clip of it in a second, ladies and gents, just so you can get an idea of what their real voices sounded like. I think Reggie's got the stranger voice. Ronnie sounds more just normal Cockney, but Reggie's got this very bizarre voice. It's, and none of them certainly sound like the way they're portrayed in the film. A lot of people have got the impression from this trial that Clubland, London, is very tough. 
Do you think it is? You've run a couple of clubs. Well, in all clubs you get an occasional drunk, you know, and sometimes they have to be slung out, and that's why there's dorm in there. But um, I suppose it's like club land all over the world, really. It's just the same as... I don't suppose it can be that bad as people wouldn't go to them, really, would they? Ronald, what do you think about club land in London? Well, I think most clubs are very respectable, you know, and uh, I don't think there's any trouble at all in them, except occasionally. Can you tell me why, during the trial, you didn't give evidence? Well, we was advised by illegal people not to give evidence. What are you going to do now that it's all over? Well, I'd like to have a bit of family life now, you know. I intend to get married in the near future. Well, I did before this case, but it's put back over the case, and I um, should get married as soon as possible, you know. Ronald, what are you going to do now? Well, I'd like to go abroad for a short while, and uh, then I'd like to be left alone. Uh, but talking of voices, that's another thing I've noticed with Tom Hardy and the few things I have watched him in. Yep. He either... He does, he does his own voice really well as he Tom t- Hardy. He does his own voice really well, I should hope so, yeah. <laughs> and the other voice he does yeah. is the craze. That's the only That's two, the voices, only two he voices he knows. <laughs> well, you I haven't, mean, you haven't seen The Revenant. My partner, she watches Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And he plays the, the Jewish gangster guy in that. Yeah. And he sounds like a cray. Okay. Well, watch The Revenant because I think he's got an American accent in that. But in Bronson, he sounds like one of the craze. He, he, he only has two voices. I'm convinced, 100 percent convinced. No, no, I'm sure he's different in Locke as well. You know, it's, there's lots of things he's been in, mate. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to expand nah. your viewing horizons a wee bit with regard to Tom Hardy, mate. No, nah, he's cast smart. <laughs> He's on the list. Is it typical Tony? I, I know what I like and I like what I know. It's That's like... it. <laughs> That's it. We get it straight down the line with you, mate, don't we? Whatever review we do. <laughs> Mummy says I'm special. No, no, no. So we get the two killings. You get Jack the Hatman Vitti. That happened as well. But the, again, the craze portrayal of the craze, the craze movie, the original one, does that more accurately with him being pushed through the window and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but that happened in a party in a basement. That was true. And then that, you know, without, if people know the story, but it was the two murders that eventually led to their downfall. It was what got them imprisoned, I think, in 1969. They both died, I think it was five years apart. Ronnie was 95. Heart yeah. And then Reggie was released, wasn't he, eight weeks before he actually died of cancer in 2000. He got yeah. compassionate, sort of discharged, didn't he? I remember as a kid, early 80s, I mean, obviously, I was I was born the year they were put in prison. Uh, it was 82, 83. Their mum died. And, and that was all over the news because they got released for the funeral. That's how the original movie ends, isn't it? As them as old men at the funeral, handcuffed together. And I think that's probably the first time I was really aware of the craze. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, who are these? Well, why have they got such notoriety, such fame? And, and that's when I started digging into it a wee bit, you know, and I've got I've got a dozen books, probably more upstairs on them, you know. There will be a Rainbow Valley episode on the craze, you know, at some point. And as I said, there was so many books being released. We can guarantee there's probably two or three going to be released this year, different people's accounts, like I said. And uh, and it's getting blurred as to what's real and what, what actually happened and what didn't now, because there's too many accounts of the stories. Yeah, and that's just a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, and this is why John Pearson's original book, The Profession of Violence, which is what this is based on, was always seen as, for a while, the definitive version of the story. 
I mean, Reggie released his version while he was in prison, you know. It was called My Story, if I remember rightly. But on the whole, I, you love this movie. Is it just because it reminds you of a, a Guy Ritchie movie, or is it just a, yeah. blood, is it a bloody good movie? Uh, it is a good movie, yeah. but I think it's because I enjoy the Guy Ritchie movie so much. Is it to everybody's um, taste, do you think? I, I don't think no. Don't, not, not everybody's going to like this. I mean, a lot no, of people of hated not. this, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it's very much a Marmite film. Yes, um, I think for the younger generation like myself, yeah, they'll they'll like it more than the older generation that's yeah. actually around during the Cray era, because they'd have been it had been in the news at the time. They'd have known the truth, and they're going to see that, and they're going to see the way I've looked at it that it's been glamorised to make a positive spin on them, because um, be, it is in a way. To be um, honest, when I first watched it, I was a bit disappointed because I was a bit of a Oh, that's not. I was, I was critically watching it, going, "Well, that's not right. Yeah. That didn't happen." But then watching it again for the second time, I mean, this is only the second time in four years I've watched it. I bought it when it came out on Blu-ray. I had to unwrap it last night. I enjoyed it a little bit more because I watched it more of the fact that okay, now I know that it's not going to be a hundred percent accurate. Let's just watch it for what it is. And it, and I think yeah, and you need to sort of. Like a night to remember, mm. and Titanic is, is is sort of way of summing that up. Two different movies for two different generations, mate. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. You've got your lovey dovey Titanic, but then you've got a the, night to remember, which is the sort of nitty gritty of it all. The more accurate yeah. thing of what happened. Yeah, yeah, like like we like we said in that in the night to remember, they pull out pistols to calm everybody down. They're, they're yeah. firing guns. Yeah, but in the Titanic, you don't see any of that. Oh no, there it's is all, one. There is all he glamorous. Shoots, he shoots one in the air, doesn't he? One of the uh, petty officers or something does fire a shot into the air. He does. Yeah. What surprised me in IMDb's rating, it gets seven out of ten, which is quite high for IMDb, but then do we hold any sway with the IMDb ratings, you know, because some of their top 250 is complete baloney, you know. Do you want to rate this out of 5 or out of 10? I would rate this out of 5, because that's what we normally do. Yep. And I would give it a 3.5. Is that all? It's not as high. Yeah. Wow. I I always thought you were going to go right up there, mate. No, no. Like I see, it's a very good film. Yeah. I do enjoy watching it, but it does have its annoyances for me. So one of them, uh, one of them being not, Francis. A, not as a purist angle. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking at it as that. I'm, I'm enjoying it for what it is, so not what, what it should be. What was it that annoyed you? What didn't you like? Like I said, I didn't like the fact that it was. It all seemed to be that they were the innocent ones. You know, it was all put on them. You know, like they never started any trouble. Trouble found them. Okay, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't like that, and like I said, the, the narrating, mm-hmm. they needed a character that was in it less to narrate it. Okay, yeah. Um, otherwise, it was just too much of one person. Yeah. I'll tell you what uh, I noticed, actually, as well. No mention of their brother, Charlie. No, I was going to say, yeah, there was no mention. You see the dad, yep. you see the mother, mm. but no brother, Charlie. No. Which, again, you could look at that at the purest angle, but then you'd have thought they'd have put something in there. Yeah, even if he was only in the the rest of the family. If he's only sitting at the table, you know, or whatever, when they're all there. But surprisingly, I was going to rate this a bit higher. I was going to go four. Yeah, a light four. You know, if if we can we can grade it that way. If you was to have asked me four years ago when I first saw it, it would have been a two. You know, it'd have been oh god. And this probably why I haven't watched it for four years because it was like, yeah, that was a complete waste of uh, 
two hours in the cinema. But the more we've spoke over the last few months, because you've mentioned this over over the time, and I know your love for the movie, and then when you brought it to the table last week and you said, right, we're going to do Legend, I thought, no, nah, do you know what? The time's about right for me to watch it again. Yeah. And, and it has got better. It's, it's not the best movie in the world. No, it's um, not. Uh, but to be fair, when it first came out, the first few times I watched it, if we'd reviewed it then, I'd have given it a five. So now, as you've got more accustomed to it, <coughs> And also doing the podcast, I suppose you're watching it a bit more critically. I suppose now as well, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose I am, and I, I, I try not to, but I'm, I'm learning to sort of relate things to other films. Yeah. Hence, what's happened in this film. You're picking um, up on other stuff, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's gone down. And it's still a, a bloody good film, but it's just a few things I would have um done differently well, but think, on the whole it's quite good i think three and a half is a good reflection then of what you said mate you know but, but when you first started i thought oh this is like a top this is five stars for tony this is top 10 movie but obviously, yeah obviously it isn't but you still like it despite some i, I of its think faults. a film that can make as many catchphrases and i hear them on a daily basis yeah. they've done a good job yeah, I'll you're just... in the Michael Caine league. You're only supposed <laughs> to blow the bloody doors off, or what, wait until you see the whites of the rise. You know, it's things like that, and you think, yeah, if if people are saying it and people are understanding it and getting it, something must have clicked. You've, you've made a good film. Yeah, yeah, something's clicked there. Excellent. All right, mate. Let's take a short break. We're going to be back with what we're watching next time. Okay, Tony, um, next time we get together, it's going to be my choice for you. So, bearing in mind we've just watched a bit of gritty action, a thriller, let's do a comedy. We're going to go back to 1954. I'm I'm pretty sure you're aware of this series of films. Not sure if you've seen them. There's probably about five or six in total, so let's do them in order. It's another one to add to the list of chronological movies we're going to do. Back in the 50s, and it went through to the 60s, there was a set of films based on a best-selling series of books by a doctor called Richard Gordon. And the films initially starred Dirk Bogart, and you'd get guest appearances from James Robertson Justice, Kenneth Moore... Leslie Phillips would be in some of them. Uh, lots of famous faces from the 50s and the 60s. It's the Doctor series. Right, okay. Okay, and the first one is from 1954, directed by Ralph Thomas, who was the director of the Carry On movies. Yep. So I think you know what you're going to be sort of in for. Uh, the first one was Doctor in the House, possibly the most famous one it was a massive massive hit made a star of Dirk Bogard you've got Donald Sindon Kay Kendall Donald Houston's in this James Robertson Justice as I say and Joan Sims for you mate <laughs> oh okay I'm not sure if you've got a copy if you haven't got a copy I can get one over to you because I've got the box set and it's certainly worth watching and I'd like to hear your thoughts have you seen it I don't think you have have you is it in colour? This one is, yes. It's, they, they start in colour, even though it's 54. They do start in colour, yeah. James Robertson Justice is the big blustering surgeon. Lancelot Spratt. 
you know, he's he's the one. And they start off as students. It's it's them as students, so it's them learning to become doctors and surgeons. And and the books. Yeah. I mean, I read the books when I was early teens, and I've still got original copies from the fifties up on the bookshelf. You know, very funny books, great adaptations. It, it, some of them they're a bit hit and miss as they get to the later ones. Dirk Bogart drops out, and Leslie Phillips takes over. So it'd be interesting to see the progression, like we're doing with some of the other films. Kenneth Moore in it. Kenneth Moore. So nice to remember Kenneth Moore. Yeah. Oh, nearly on the wall of fame. Um, I think by the time we release this, he will be because we've also myself and Stephen have reviewed one called Admirable Crichton. Um, and I can't think what else we've seen him in. Yeah, he's one step away. This could be the one that puts him in. Oh. So looking forward to that. Hope, yes. Hopefully not too far away because you said we're going to try and recall very soon, yeah? Yes, indeed. Excellent. All right, my friend. Pleasure, as always, talking to you. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. Yeah. If you've made it to the end. <laughs> if you haven't, you don't know what you've missed. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, mate. See ya. Bye. Positive shot. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.